the title of the conference, the subject of the conference is The Serious Study of Peace. And uh, what is strikingly obvious, is in particular in the area of uh, peace building, that uh, this area is still heavily under-theorized and under-conceptualized. Um, why? Because it's still a relatively young subject. Um, why? Because the study of peace has somewhat shifted, speaking with Galtung, from a focus on negative peace, so basically absence of war, to positive peace, um, which is far more holistic, addressing the root causes of conflict. So addressing this, uh, the question of how to achieve positive peace is a far greater challenge and a far more complex undertaking which creates uh, challenges in terms of governance. Let me tell you how um, actually we arrived at this topic. Because uh, in a way, um, the paper I'm talking about is an ongoing conversation I have with this gentleman sitting on the far left. Um, we had a um, kind of consultancy a few years ago um, where we wrote a kind of background paper, which was part and parcel. Uh, um, it was called The Consolidation of Peace in Africa. It was a kind of undertaking to um, support the implementation of the um, G8 Africa Action Plan. So in the Africa G8 Africa Implementation Plan, um, there was one line uh, or a kind of um, call on the international community how we can actually improve our collective ability to support the consolidation of peace in Africa, um, especially in countries emerging from conflict. So basically, we looked at uh, uh, various documents and uh, various efforts within organizations, institutions, and coordination and learning uh, appeared as a kind of policy mantra, kind of policy prescription that seemed to be a cure to achieve better results, to achieve better peace-building operations. So that's basically how we, um, how we uh, arrived at uh, um, um, coordination and learning and, and, and began to struggle with those two policy uh, prescriptions. But as you see, I call those uh, two policy prescriptions misplaced analogies. And I hope to make clear at the end of my talk why I think uh, uh, that in a way there are misplaced analogies, and we perhaps would rather focus on, on, on far more important elements. So basically, the underlying questions of our paper are, why has improvement in coordination been so elusive? Because despite all these calls for coordination, we don't see necessarily very astonishing results uh, where we can see improvements in terms of coordination. And then, if the underlying problems are actually known, why our lessons are actually not learned? So why our mistakes are repeated? So what we actually suggest um, that there are deeper underlying causes that we should look at. Uh, and I think that's important we need to highlight, in particular when we want to get a better understanding of peace building and want to develop better concepts how peace building actually works or how we can actually achieve better results. Um, so we introduce the 
coordination and learning challenge as a kind of multi-level governance problem and conceptualize it as a nested game. A nested game, basically, that takes place at multiple levels. Let me perhaps... Perhaps you may see it, we don't have PowerPoint here, but uh, illustrate the problems as such. We have basically a multiplicity of actors and a large diversity of actors. We have NGOs, NGOs and firms involved in the building of peace. We have states and state, a state agencies. We have international institutions, the agencies, funds and programs, and all these um, actors come together in the building of peace. So basically we have intra-agency coordination games going on. We have inter-agency coordination games going on. And then we have multiple actor coordination games. And that's basically is part and parcel of a large peace building coordination game. So this is basically the challenge we are talking about when we, when we look at peace building as a coordination problem. And as you may imagine, first of all, the large and character of this enterprise and also the diversity of the actors involved creates huge challenges that cannot be easily overcome. Because it's not only this problem I've talked about. There's a different, another problem. It's the, a problem that this coordination game takes place at multiple levels. We have a global level, there are coordination efforts going on at UN headquarters level, within IMF, World Bank, and so on and so forth. Then we have a regional and sub-regional levels where regional organizations uh, address a particular problem and they coordinate among each other. And then uh, last but certainly not least, and most importantly, we have the field level where the conflict is basically uh, should be addressed, where the peace building operation is going on. And that's actually the most important uh, uh, level of engagement. And once we understand peace building or the challenge of coordination and learning in this peace building exercise as a nested game, we learn to appreciate the limits of coordination in this larger game. And uh, we come up with very unsurprising findings then that coordination and learning are very difficult in large N situations like uh, the one I've just described. That um, another problem uh, refers to not every peace building game is the same. Um, changes in the actor engagement from one crisis to another basically weakens what we call in the, in the uh, game theoretical literature the shadow of the future. So because uh, the different uh, actors do not, um, they will not basically see a future prospect of cooperation uh, and for that reason, uh, they will rather, uh, they will appreciate or see peace building as a one-off game. So basically, for that reason, uh, issues of turf, issues of, 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 of parochial interests play a very important role in this peace building game. So heterogeneity of relevant actors also reduces the probability that uh, the utility functions of these various uh, actors actually align. Then, 
the possibility of defection from international coordination is very high due to the nested quality of the games I've just referred to. And what we can see is, although coordination is likely to approve in hierarchical situations or, um, or in hierarchical institutions, this is not how peace building actually evolves. It's a highly decentralized process. And when you look at the structure or the quality of the United Nations system, it's a highly decentralized system. And coordination is basically done by persuasion rather than imposed on, on, uh, on, on, on different actors. And what we should also keep in mind is many agencies and programs, NGOs, do not want to be coordinated. Um, independence is uh, part of the mission statement. So uh, it's not so easy just to uh, advocate uh, um, um, a coordination uh, or streamlined engagement of uh, the end system as a whole, um, pretending um, as if the UN could deliver as one. Delivering as one is uh, the latest, uh, 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 latest policy statement, uh, mission document, uh, um, which was basically produced um, as a kind of follow-up of the uh, World Summit 2005 as a result of another high-level panel who uh, looked into uh, how um, coordination between various humanitarian agen uh, agencies could, could be uh, improved. So um, we do have a, um, a problem here that need to be addressed. We do have, um, it's policy relevant. So for that reason, it's really important to um, actively engage with the question, um, while coordination is in essence uh, a good thing, there are clear limits in achieving uh, coordination. And the, the academic literature on coordination, well, appreciated uh, um, 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 limits somehow. We could see uh, um, um, authors like Bruce Jones wrote about strategic coordination. Uh, but uh, in our view, this is not the actual problem, because what we can actually see in practice that uh, operations can be successful even without coordination. So the real problem here is to deconstruct or to highlight the actual, um, the actual uh, factors that contribute to operational success and failure. And our, our, our point here is, it's most of the time it's not coordination. Um, once, um, in, in the paper we basically try to deconstruct the strategic coordination label uh, Bruce Jones, he, he introduces uh, um, uh, um, so-called facilitators of strategic coordination, basically um, highlighting the role of uh, special representatives on the ground, resident coordinators, uh, the continuous involvement of key actors and uh, informal institutions like groups of friends, uh, or core groups, contact groups, and so on and so forth. But uh, this is not so much uh, talking about uh, strategic coordination. In our view, it's far more about um, leadership. Um, it's uh, long-term commitment to, to a conflict. Um, it's about uh, personalities staying involved uh, uh, or um, assuming or it's very often their ingen ingenuity. Um, uh, I mean, once you, once you look at, at various cases, Mozambique, for example, the role of Aldo Aiello uh, on the ground, how, how he basically um, um, 
creatively uh, interpreted uh, a relatively vague mandate of the Security Council, creating a slush fund and things, things like that. So basically, uh, then engaged basically the, the ambassadors uh, um, of Security Council countries on the ground. So basically, to have this link between the field level and the and the headquarters level to mobilize basically support for ongoing support for the for the peace operation. Then another uh, continuous commitment of key actors, Italy's role, very important uh, in, in in that regard. So it's 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 less this uh, strategic coordination mantra that uh, matters, but. Uh, um, more underlying factors like uh, um, uh, the, the continued availability of resources basically uh, spent by, by, by key actors. It's about uh, um, uh, that so-called veto players um, basically uh, support uh, um, um, the, uh, a peace process. And then uh, the role of informal institution, I, I haven't touched on that. That's far less about uh, strategic coordination. It's, it's far more um, uh, giving actors a platform um, where they can basically um, either influence Security Council decision-making at headquarters level or basically engage actors on the ground or engage with actors um, at uh, or with key people at uh, um, uh, international financial institutions, for example. So basically having this institutional mechanism to um, uh, connect the various levels of engagement, for example, the global level with the field level, and so on and so forth. How does our understanding of peace building as a nested game uh, um, uh, affect our understanding of learning? What we can actually see is that... Uh, our idea of learning as a holistic exercise doesn't really uh, um, play out so well when you look at uh, various conflicts. Uh, I mean, the question why we, uh, why we had the problems in Sierra Leone, that we had the hostage-taking uh, hostage of, uh, of the peacekeeping force, uh, although it was so obvious, clear, that uh, you need a strong mandate, you need a Chapter 7 mandate, uh, you need a rather robust peacekeeping mandate on the ground, to, to, to be successful. Why, why do these mistakes happen again? It's basically, um, it, it, it's very difficult to, uh, well, it, it's perhaps easy to um, review individual operations, yes, but it's very difficult to apply lessons from one mission to the other. And what we can actually see uh, in, 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 in uh, recent literature is that um, what we can in fact see um, that within a mission, if you have a, if you have a kind of learning infrastructure, it's, it's, it's relatively uh, likely that you can achieve learning within a single mission. Uh, Sierra Leone is, for example, one, uh, is, is one good example in that regard because there was a review mission led by uh, General Eisler that basically pinpointed problems and, 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 and basically concluded with some forward-looking uh, uh, policy prescriptions. Um, so intromission learning is possible. So it's important um, to have a kind of learning, intromission learning infrastructure in place. 
Uh, and that's basically it's slowly appreciated at UN headquarters level. So uh, one, one effect is that, uh, uh, for example, some policy, uh, some, some officers working on the ground um, uh, um, take on additional functions, basically uh, review uh, the mission on an ongoing basis. And, uh, and if problems arise, they basically try to to uh, adapt uh, um, uh, um, the uh, uh, the mandate or the uh, the terms of reference of the mission while the mission is actually going on. So basically, this is uh, um, a far more um, promising approach than uh, um, trying to apply lessons across. Uh, missions and uh, the difficulties. I mean, we can talk about the difficulties. Even uh, strikingly uh, similar missions like Kosovo and East Timor, for example. Uh, it was it, 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 what, what we can learn from, from 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 the current perspective is that it's not very easy to uh, uh, just to um, apply a kind of cookie cutter approach. That uh, from what we have uh, in Kosovo and the mission we have in Kosovo can be easily applied in East Timor because what we could see there, a lot of ownership problems and so on and so forth. So in conclusion, um, the coordination debate resembles uh, in a way an analogical discourse that has actually emerged in response to the complexities of uh, peace building and humanitarianism in the post-Cold War world. Um, in a way, it's a natural uh, uh, reflex, uh, a means to reduce the complexity of the peace-building exercise, because the discourse is basically undertaken by policymakers, diplomats, who don't have the time or even the capacity to deeply penetrate uh, peace-building as a whole. So uh, labels like coordination learning are welcome. Uh, um, uh, are basically welcome policy prescription to um, um, to basically uh, um, highlight problems. But the problem I, I try to I try to uh, um, um, what I try to highlight is that um, there is a danger that the coordination label basically obscures the real factors uh, that contribute to mission success and mission failure. And very interestingly, where, where does it leave us? How, how do we basically steer uh, peace building as a process? Um, it's very interesting that Jean-Marie Guénaud, before he actually uh, um, assumed the position of Under Secretary General for uh, uh, peace, uh, Peacekeeping Operation at UN headquarters, he wrote a piece um, in Survival in 1999, where he basically compared the interdependent post-Cold War world, the weather system that needed to be described by chaos theory. Um, and I think he has a really good point that um, it's very difficult to steer the process of peace building as a whole, in particular when we talk about positive peace. So applying uh, um, Jean-Marie Grenot's um, um, uh, suggestion, I think we could basically compare uh, the role of global institutions, perhaps, or the, the actors working at headquarters level, perhaps uh, as um, people who create the right weather conditions, uh, conditions conducive to um, um, 
to facilitate the actual peacekeeping process on the ground. And I think this is a far more promising uh, prospect as endless hand-wringing over uh, coordination failure or how to, to achieve better coordination.